Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, Halloween Horror Nights news, as well as a little bit of Kong Straversy. See what I did there? And uh, we're also long hour. <laughs> we're also going to take some time to answer your questions as well. Live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. This is the Universal Edition of the Diz Unplugged. Episode 88 of the Diz Unplugged Universal Edition. The Diz Unplugged Universal Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect universal vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, welcome to yet another episode of the Diz Unplugged Universal Edition. I am your host, as always, Craig Williams, and today I am joined uh, on... Oh, I was going to go to you first. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You always go to the normal people first, and then you go to the special guests. Oh, I was going to say, where is that going to go? To the abnormal one? No. <laughs> Fine, I guess... For well, anyone he was talking, I... oh, okay, okay, hey, it's fine. So joining us today is special <laughs> guest, uh, the man behind everything. Oh, don't oversell it. The one and they only. They know who I am. The Almighty. Oh God, Pete Werner. Yeah, we had to have a discussion earlier about the pronunciate the proper pronunciation of my last name. Yeah, so that's what we do for anyone who wanted a behind the scenes look of what we. What we're doing whenever we're not producing all this great content out there, we are sitting around trying to teach Oliver how to properly say Pete's last name. Werner. See, when I I say it, you can really hear the pronunciation. The pronunciation? Pronunciation. (laughs) Just never going to get anything, right? No. No. No, you screwed up my name earlier, so you will be punished for days and days, maybe weeks. How many lashings? No, just this. (laughs) Yeah. Just being reminded of it constantly. It's public embarrassment that will forever be on YouTube. Uh, and then, really, of course, how hard is it? It's six letters: W E R N E R Werner, right? Werner. Do you know Not what I feel? Werner. Do you know Werner? I feel like um, uh, oh, what's the name of the film with the Canadian guy that's uh, he does oh, the oh. lawnmower man? Clearly, the lawnmower <laughs> man is, yeah. no. Um, oh, he's a detective and he plays an English guy, the Canadian guy. Orange Sherbert. Right, Whatever I say, I feel like going, Werner. Okay, I'll go back. Okay, so, of course, back on the controls, <laughs> engineer of the day, Oliver Green. Hello. Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, of course, Pete's in the studio. Well, we also have another special guest who you can't see, and I don't think she's either one so of us. She's so good. Yeah, she's being good, so neither of us are going to pick her up, but Abby is also joining I us. I can anymore. She's 70 pounds. <laughs> 70 pounds. She's a big girl now. Big girl, all grown, uh, as well as us. We are also grown. But, yeah, we have a huge episode today. We are going to answer some of your questions, have a little bit of fun going in. Uh, Of course, we've got a little bit to cover before that. But I'm going to open this up with housekeeping. I'm going to start real quickly by saying for those of you who are watching the live broadcast right now on YouTube, uh, instead of... Um, watching back later at the end of the day or listening we are actually currently testing out uh for the first time a 1080p stream of our show trying to give you a little bit higher quality than 
than we normally do before. So if you notice anything a little bit weird with it, uh, we're just trying to, to test it to see if it'll work right, get all the kinks out of it. Um, if it ends up being bad, we will have a show up later for you. Don't worry. The good copy of the show, assuming that Oliver is recording it like he's supposed to. I am. Uh, so just stick with us on any uh, technical issues that we might have. But You know, let me say something. My neighbor, I th- this woman mows her lawn once every nine months of course she has to do it only on show days apparently well yeah i mean well it's not her out there doing it it's somebody else i gotta say though it hasn't happened on a tuesday for quite a while now it's been a bit of time although it hasn't happened at all for quite a while because it looks like it's a the house looks like it's abandoned (laughs) um i really she's a really sweet lady but (laughs) does she watch the show probably no (laughs) no i wouldn't be saying this if she wants the show um (laughs) But, no, it cracks me up. It cracks me up. No, it is pretty funny. So, Pete, I believe you do have a little bit of housekeeping, too, as well. I do. Uh, Something that just came across my desk this morning. Everybody who watches our shows know we try and put a lot of effort into raising money for Give Kids the World, which is a uh, village in Kissimmee where uh, children with life-threatening illnesses can stay. Uh, when they want to visit Disney World. So when a sick kid makes a wish to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, they say they want to go to Disney World, Give Kids the World is where they go most of the time. And so we've tried, we've raised over $300,000 in the last few years for Give Kids the World. And apparently a designer shoe warehouse is doing a, a, non-pro, a, a, a giveaway, a $75,000 giveaway. Uh, to a deserving charity, uh, a kids' nonprofit charity, and Give Kids the World is one of uh, the finalists. And this is running through uh, June 14th on the website shoeloverscare.com. We'll have a link in the show notes page. And no, that's not a foot fetish website, um, but shoeloverscare.com. And you can vote. And there are some, there are very worthy charities there, but uh, we, we are pushing for you to go vote for Give Kids the World. As of right now, there are about 16,000 votes behind first place, um, and we want to see them win. So if you, could, you can vote once per day per device. So you can vote on your desktop, your laptop, your iPad, your iPhone, or other non-Apple devices. And uh, so go to shoeloverscare.com. You can vote every day, once per device, and that goes on until June 14th. So let's show them some love. We're putting this everywhere. We're putting this on all, all our social media pages. We're putting this up on our homepage, on the boards. We're going to do what we can to help uh, get them some votes. So it's a nice, quick, easy way to show your support for Give Kids the World and the amazing work that they do. If you want to learn more about Give Kids the World, gktwgivekidstheworld.org. You can find out just how amazing this organization is. The best-run charity in the United States many years in a row. Absolutely, yes. And uh, as Pete said, it will be in our show notes page. So for everyone who's confused what that means, uh, I say it every week, disunplug.com. If you want the specific show notes for the universal section, just look for that blue box if you don't know how to read and you can only base this on colors. Uh, that's where you'll find us. But I guess it won't do you much good then because you'll have the to read the huge audience play. you have like in the Ozarks or what? I, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not that good at reading the analytics on this stuff. Uh, but 
Uh, and then I have to point out, obviously, Pete is sitting uh, in for us this week because Rhino is not here. Uh, Rhino is currently out in California. He should have landed. Mm, actually, he should believe, be on the ground by he now. He should yeah. be. Yeah, he should be just landing right around now and uh, on his way to Disneyland to join up with uh, host of the Disneyland edition, Tom Bell, uh, as they do some content work uh, for the next couple days. So he is sorely missed here but yeah california just got a whole lot gayer yeah if that was even possible so for any questions on where rhino will be at if you are in california right now and you want to stalk him just follow our social media uh and we will ruin where he is all the time because i know he he likes to stay as incognito as possible whenever he's going around well, we can so. figure out a way to do like the find my iphone thing that's, on the website so you can constantly <laughs> find exactly where he is I, I think that needs to happen that's a company phone yeah i'm allowed to do that I'm Perfect. not sure if you are. That seems very illegal. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll take my chances with the feds. <laughs> yeah, there's works around all that. It'll it'll all be fine. It'll be good. So yeah, if you're out in California uh, right now, look for and, Rhino. And he has stalkers, man. He yeah. has. Uh, when we were out there in April, they were coming out of the woodwork looking for him. I know. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand the Rhino love. Well, I do understand it, but oh, I love Rhino too. I just don't. I wouldn't stalk him. Yeah. It's, um, there's far better people out there, especially in California. Especially when you had to sit here yesterday with a, a jar of uh, uh, air freshener. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was stinking up the studio. Which we now it's have to charmer. leave. We have to leave in the studio on days that he's here just in case Well, I have to throw out the chair. <laughs> I have to have the chair fumigated. <laughs> I think he's going to be happy that... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't go back and watch our shows or listen to them. He really should for this it's one. Such though. dedication to his craft. Yes. So, Oliver, anything for you to mention before we get cracking on this? You want to talk about Craig or, uh, or, or Rhino? No. Or um, Craig, too. No, I can't talk about Craig. He's here. Um, Rhino, though, you've got to go. If you see Rhino, go and take a photo with him. He loves it. He loves the attention. And oh, the other thing he loves, he loves if you say the word moist oh it's it's his favorite word the best way of doing it don't just say it getting really close when you're getting your photo took and then lean in his ear and just go moist and he'll love it he'll absolutely love it i as, guarantee it as you pat his hair as well yeah. too. yes yes so. run your fingers through his hair while you're yeah. doing it um and if you can't do that because you're not out in disneyland then um why don't you just tweet at him with the hashtag rhinos moist and um He'll love that. Or just the word moist. Yeah. Just use the word moist in a sentence in a hashtag and tweet it at Rhino. He will become your best friend. And for everyone out there, Rhino's Twitter handle is at uh, Rhino1185. R-Y-N-O-1185. Hashtag Man, Rhino's that. Moist or just plain moist. Wow. Anything with the word moist in it. Yeah. He hates that word. And no, I'm sorry. He loves that word. That's loves his it. favorite word. He, he hates how much he loves it. That's... That's what it was. So, without further ado, we are going to kick it off and actually get into the nitty-gritty today. And uh, I, I'm very excited. Just a little while before the show, uh, there was a big Halloween Horror Nights announcement. Uh, for everyone who's a fan of that uh, seasonal event, uh, we finally now have the icon, the the person who will be in charge of the event, who will be the face on all of the merchandise, everything, and that is Chance. So Chance is 
Jack the Clown, the uh, icon from last year and the most well-known Horror Nights icon. Jack or Chance is Jack's sidekick, and uh, she is also clown-like, very demented. Uh, oh, this is a female? Oh, yeah. No, it's a female. I'm – it's – like there's this weird love – sexual interest thing happening between them uh well, there's like a storyline behind this yeah there's oh gosh there's so many storylines <laughs> that's that's the beautiful thing about universal they but, make a story up for everything because nobody else does nobody else no does that it, no one did that by chance is it the photo that you supplied me with earlier that is okay yes. then let's have a look <laughs> yeah so oh she's for charming anyone watching this is a uh, chance um, and so basically the way Horror Nights is shaping up to be this year, uh, it is taking place immediately right after uh, last year's event. Um, last year, Jack and Chance were featured in a show called The Carnage Returns. And, uh, well, they murdered a bunch of people on stage. Um, we have As you do. Yes, as you do <laughs> at Horror Nights. We have a video of it. I'll make sure it's in our show notes for anyone who wants to go back and uh, watch last year's The Carnage Returns. And, well... She was uh, arrested for her crimes caused during last year's show, and uh, so she's been just sitting away in jail, waiting, uh, waiting for Jack to return and for uh, for freedom, essentially. And you know, she's she's going crazy, maniacal while she's in jail. So this year, she's actually going to have two different looks to her uh, because she's going to have. She's going to have the side that she's been tortured all these uh, all these months in jail and just have that tortured, weathered look. But then she's also going to have this kind of grotesque, kind of I, I don't psychological image of herself too, where she's still extremely maniacal and clown like. Um, so it's it's definitely the first time that Chance has ever taken like front and center stage at uh, Halloween Horror Nights just by herself. And uh, on the one hand, it, it's good that they have a nice, strong female murderer clown as the icon for their, their Halloween event. But then uh, it's not just that she's the icon. They're also giving her a house and a scare zone. They didn't release any of the names or details about what those are. So uh, now we have we know we have her is the icon. We know we have an exorcist house. We know we have um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now we have a chance house. And we actually also found out last week what another house will be that didn't get a lot of buzz because it's something that everyone expected. But The Walking Dead will return for its fourth year now at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and, yeah, I'm... Kind of bummed about that. I mean, I honestly, I know we spoke about this before on the show previously. I really, it not nothing would surprise me if they decided to just make it a year-round house. If they did decide to do that, if they went down that route of having a, a one house that they kept around all year, it would definitely be The Walking Dead. I can guarantee it if they ever did that. Well, yeah, and they already uh, they're opening up the year-round Walking Dead house out in Hollywood in uh, around July 4th. Yeah. Actually, I believe on July 4th. So, yeah, they're already putting that into play uh, over in the Hollywood Park. But, yeah, now we uh, we are getting it at least for Halloween Horror Nights this year. And they announced that instead of just being a uh, dedicated to the last season of The Walking Dead, which if you watched it, it was not anything shockingly scary the the show itself has become more of a, a drama 
over the years mm-hmm. than uh, what I originally intended as that horror drama combination together. Uh, now it's just straight up. It's like an action drama that where the protagonists are or the antagonists, sorry, are zombies as well as other humans. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of changed. So this year, I don't think there was enough like scary zombie moments really to truly make it a whole house itself. So they're actually going to go back to the very beginning and they're going to do a best of. So they're going to go through season one up to season six and go through all the highlight moments, go back to the most iconic places and kind of tie it all together. So as much as I'm not excited for a Walking Dead house, uh, I'm actually I, I'm, I'm glad that they're doing it this way where it's just an overview instead of isolated on one single timeline in the story. It's nice as well that they're actually just putting the effort into it and they're actually, you know, um, delving a bit deeper and going into that storyline because it's so easy to with The Walking Dead to just go, oh, well, it's The Walking Dead. Let's fill a house full of zombies. But the fact that they're actually, like, investing that time into it and to, you know, make it essentially like a walkthrough highlight reel almost, it's, but, it's nice. But is it me or does it seem like they're kind of rehashing year after year a lot of the same things? I mean, none of this sounds... I mean, I don't follow it really closely. Um, I mean, I love Halloween Horror Nights, but I'm not, like, you know, like, on top of every announcement. It just feels to me that each year, it doesn't feel like a major departure from the year before. Is it starting to become formulaic? Is it starting to become... Not entirely. Last year definitely set it apart because it was the 25th anniversary. They had to change things up and uh, make sure that it was fresh and different. Uh, However, I will say in terms of the houses they're choosing, they are getting formulaic in the sense that uh, they now really are starting to understand that people love classic horror films i think more than ever before so uh, a couple of years ago they had their hit when they did halloween so then last year they did freddy versus jason and a, a new classic insidious and those were two of the most popular houses last year so that's why this year now we're getting exorcist texas chainsaw massacre they understand people like that they understand people like the icons so that's why chances obviously back again this year because uh, everyone went crazy having these horror nights icons back in there so now we're getting her of course we're going to have some originals but the walking dead has become a staple so although things do change year to year they are starting to realize what people love the most and really playing off that uh and i think they're going to do that for the next couple years until something shifts where people are all of a sudden they want something, something different. Else. Okay. And that's whenever they'll really get back in behind the drawing board and uh, and come up with something new and creative. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Halloween Horror Nights. I think, I mean, Universal owns this town at Halloween. Nobody yeah. touches it. But, you know, I uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I At the end of the day, despite the type of houses being similar each year, at least they come up with a Halloween event where everything is absolutely different every year instead of being like Disney that just rehashes the same parade with slightly different characters and places usually year to year and then rehashing the same show that they do with the exception of last year when they finally added in the Hocus Pocus show. Other than that, they keep it the same. Yeah. Whereas Universal always goes out of their way That's to, true. That's, yeah. to change things up. So. Uh, but, you know, change is also right around the corner beyond just Halloween Horror Nights, but also with uh, with Islands of Adventure because 
Kong is opening up very, very closely. You know, we've been talking about it over the past couple, Next of couple weeks. Next couple weeks, yeah. And uh, it opens around uh, probably on the 24th now. So uh, we knew that we were going to get our first look of it uh, from June 22nd to the 24th at a media event. And then uh, on the 23rd, they announced there would be a social media event that I believe you can still sign up for uh, if you want a chance to try to be invited to that. Uh, and you can find that at Universal's official blog. Um, but then uh, – so I'm going to guess that it's going to open up the next day. There might be soft openings in the weeks up to it. However uh, – uh, they started opening it up for team members over the past couple of days. I know last night, I want to say, it was open for team members maybe the night before. And then it was open on Sunday night for uh, the first look for everyone who works at Universal. And uh, although I heard mostly positive reviews, I, I honestly, I didn't hear a single negative review. There is one review that I heard a lot, and that was that there are some extremely terrifying elements to this attraction most uh specifically the queue because there are scare actors and also which i think is absolutely brilliant to incorporate that into a queue line it's very oh, yeah. different I haven't seen that before well it, it's not universal's first time doing this this actually happened i believe on two occasions in the past one i know for sure uh back in the days of dueling dragons they actually not a scare actor, but they had an actor in the queue that played Merlin, and he would right. But that you know, I'm talking about the, ab, you know, absolutely talking about the scare factor of it. People jumping out from behind corners at you while you're online—that's brilliant. I think, and I could be a hundred percent wrong on this. I think that it was incorporated for a short time at Mummy, and then once they lost the budget to have that, then they just the kind of the team. Team members that work there, they tried to keep that up and scare people in there. I could be entirely wrong, though. I can't confirm anything, but I, there's something in the back of my mind that that is, it, yeah. I think you're right. I think you are. And just the way that that queue's built, it it looks like it's built for scare actors. There's places for them to hide. They can pop out. It's you know, I'm pretty sure you're right there, Craig. Regardless, bringing it back for Kong, adding actors in here specifically, ones that are there to scare you, is a brilliant move. Um, because no question, you know, if, if you've ever seen the 2005 King Kong, the Peter Jackson one, there are some disgusting characters on Skull Island that they encounter first before they get anywhere near King Kong itself. And it, you know, that it's some of the most uh, uneasy parts of the movie. So the fact that they are integrating them into the queue, as well as animatronics, from what I'm hearing, it all just is blending together to be an absolute scary, scary experience to the point that they did even put on warning signs on the attraction. Well, yeah, they had to put the they had to, yeah after yeah. A, after a few uh, trial runs, they they realized they had to put signs up saying, "Listen, your kid may be tall enough to ride this, but." That doesn't mean they should. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, they could get scared. Exactly. And uh, because the height requirement for it is, I want to say, 34 inches, that's you know that's below three feet. A relatively young child can ride that. Uh, so just because you are tall enough doesn't mean you should. Uh, please, if you're going to try to take your children onto it, think about what they are afraid of maybe uh use if they're gonna offer a uh, child swap take advantage of that first get a chance to ride it before they decide if they want to ride it themselves uh 
because the last thing anyone wants is to get onto the attraction finally and see that amazing, breathtaking. Well, the last King thing Kong we want is to listen to your kids screaming. I was going to try to find the nice, um, the nice way of saying that, but yeah, don't ruin the experience for other people. Uh, well, more, more importantly, for me, for for Pete <laughs> in particular, I because everything I've heard. Uh, I, I know someone who got to see the animatronic, the Kong animatronic, before it was uh, before it was open, and whenever they were just installing it, and they told me at that point that it was just breathtaking. And everything that I'm hearing is once people get to it, they almost imagine that it's actually a screen. It looks that lifelike. They well, did that good of a job with it. Also, we've done the we've done the uh, the one uh, that's part of the studio tour out in Universal Hollywood. Yes, and while it's a very different experience in that that is not a standalone attraction there it is actually part of the studio tour it was the best part of the studio tour for me i thought it was absolutely amazing the way it was done especially with the 3d um yeah and and they have incorporated that into uh this attraction as well however from what i'm told instead of just being on the sides like it is in hollywood it's now going to be in their 360 style where it also surrounds you above so about so, two, so, so 270 degrees yeah, as so, opposed to 360. Exactly. Yeah. So you're just getting – you're more immersed into that actual well, environment. So, And honestly, the way Universal has been handling new attractions, the, the kind of creativity and engineering that they've been putting into these things – um, I, I'm really my expectations are high. Yeah, they really are. I one of the people I follow on Twitter, follow on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> my expectations raised tremendously just because of one post that he put. Uh, he was on whenever the attraction broke down, and he was riding with uh, with Mike West from Universal Creative, and apparently the the they have animatronics driving the car those are the the story the uh the actors we told you about way way back ago are not actors sorry the the hosts of this attraction they're represented in the cars by animatronics and apparently while it was broken down someone stood up in the car and the technology in there apparently they were able to set it up that they could sense when someone was standing up and so the animatronic talks and says please sit down oh my god and the way this person said it on twitter is that mike west then high-fived the person sitting next to him and said like yes it worked wow so just something like that that is so simple but you know it might never you might never see it because there was but you know let's let's be honest there was a time where this level of detail this level of creativity did not make its way into a lot of attractions no at at Universal. And this is part of the new order. So that really, I think, in a lot of ways, started in some regards with Islands of Adventure. Yeah. But has certainly, since the Comcast takeover, has has become, you know, when you have money to do it, uh, it's a lot easier. Um, and, you know, so you hear, I hear something like that, and it just it's just indicative of what I've been saying for a long time, that this battle royale going on right now between Disney and Universal you know we're the ones who benefit we're the ones who benefit um, because they keep challenging each other to up their games yep. and you know I love the fact that Universal is no longer you know the abused child in the corner begging not to be hit again 
but that child has become a really strong, muscular teenager and is fighting back now. Um, and Disney's got to run for its money. You just take a look at the T report from, from from a few weeks ago. Yeah. Where, you know, again, second year in a row, Universal has taken market share directly away from Disney. And you're looking at, you know, Universal's been open since, what, 89, 88? 90. 90, was it 90? 90, yep. Um, I was close. You were close. And so you're talking about a 26-year-old property that is posting now double-digit gains in attendance. And two years in a row now, pulling market share away from Disney. We can say that because the amount of market share that Disney lost was the same amount of market share that Universal gained. And I'm pretty sure SeaWorld isn't part of the equation. Yep. Um, So... But this kind of battle royale is just wonderful. I love it. Yeah, and it's just going to increase more if Universal does – not if – when Universal does open up another park because then all of a sudden uh, the style of how you visit Universal will completely change. It won't be that side trip that people are taking nope. now where they can still say, well, yeah, you know, I don't have to stay on Universal property. I can just go over from Disney for two days or one day. Once they open up a third park, you're stuck. You have to all of a sudden plan that universal trip if you really are going to want to take advantage. It's gonna it. it's gonna make things very interesting. Yeah. Now, I was having a discussion the other day with someone, and I will share what my prediction is here mm-hmm. in terms of. I know we want to talk about what we think will, the park will be, but irrespective of what the park will be. Um. Based on what we're seeing, um, what's what the what the chatter is among local uh, around local government here, what the chatter is among the business community here, Universal is moving ridiculously fast in terms of prepping that property they just bought on I Drive, zoning it for a theme park. Their move, and nobody else agrees with me on this, and I understand why because it's a pretty it's a pretty outrageous statement to make. But I'm going to tell you what I think. I think Universal is going to try and open a theme park at the same time or before Star Wars Land opens. And yep, that's what everybody's giving me. Oliver is the raised eyebrows. Okay, because how could they possibly do that? Here's why I think that might be possible. <laughs> Um, Disney, for all their abilities, um, are effectively where development is concerned. They're the Keystone Cops. They are falling all over each other. One hand doesn't seem to know what the other one is doing. Um, Let's take a look at how long it has taken Avatar. Now, allegedly, Avatar will open next year. It is, what, seven years since they announced it? Something along those lines? Six or seven years. I always forget what year it is. Um, So it's taking them seven years in that time, they've built Shanghai Disneyland. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when the money and the corporate focus is present, when the willingness of not, you know, one of the things Disney does, why did it take 18 months to build a parking garage? Because Disney wanted to offset the cost of that over multiple fiscal years. Yeah. So it didn't all show up on one balance sheet. Well, I think Universal is going to kind of throw that to the wind. And I think if Universal turned around and said, you know what, we are going to commit $3 billion to $4 billion, and that, I think, is a high price. Yeah. But let's just say for the sake of argument, $3 billion, we're going to commit to this project. 
and we are going to do. We're going to pay overtime. We're going to we're going to throw so much money at this because that's what Comcast has been doing with everything. One point five billion a year in new development across all the parks is what they've committed to for at least the next five years. They turn around and say, "Here's three billion to build this park. Get it done now." Where there's a will, there's a way. I absolutely believe that could happen uh, because we still don't have an opening date for the Star Wars expansion here. So anything's possible until they give us an opening date. We can't sit here and say that it, it's not going to happen. And I, I I know this. I've said it before. I, I talked to construction workers from the construction company that has done a lot of projects for Universal as well as for Disney at the same time. And they flat out said the reason why we are building faster at Universal than Disney is because Universal is paying us to get the job done at a certain amount of time, and Disney's just letting it go. Mm-hmm. They're not as concerned about getting it done as fast and having us. They're do more it concerned about breaking it up over multiple fiscal yep. years so it doesn't hit the bottom line too much in any one year. And. But then you also, again, a lot of times it seems like you don't, the right hand doesn't know what the left one is doing at Disney these days. And they just, they seem to be developing in this scattershot, hurry, we got to hurry up and do this and we got to hurry up and do that. And you see that, you see the results of that in Rivers of Light and Animal Kingdom. The thrown together Jungle Book show. The fact that with the money they've been spending and the time they've been putting into it, they can't get they can't get a water show to work right, um, and they couldn't open it on time. These things are the things I'm looking at and saying mm, something's not right there. Whereas Universal is hitting their marks, There's- and it just feels to me like the energy there is is definitely in, the, the wind is at Universal's back. Yeah. And if they put the, if they if they commit the money, if Comcast will commit the money, even two billion. Even $2 billion just to get something open. There is a true sense of corporate synergy at Comcast that I don't see existing at Disney, where Comcast, since they've taken over the Universal Parks and Resorts and they're with NBC Universal, they have tried to blend all of their brands together as much as possible in a way that is good for everyone. So that's why now, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, he's always been funny and he's a part of the Universal family. There's a reason now why a NBC Universal show is being featured at a Universal uh, park. And that's why you're now seeing Jimmy Fallon also taking that at the opposite side and coming to Universal and hosting his show and being shown on the attraction. Some, it, a lot of stuff that reminds me of uh, mid-90s Disney, yeah. whenever they were really about saying, we are this big family, uh, right after they purchased ABC. And it all came together. And they're like, we're more than just Disney and Disney parks. We're all of this in a whole. And uh, NBC, Universal, Comcast, they are embracing this, and they are bringing it all together in a beautiful way that I don't think they're going to break for any any anytime soon. I think they're going to stick with it through the long run, and we're not ever going to hear about it like we are at Disney, where this section of the company doesn't do anything with that section and that section and that section, yeah. and they're all just broken up. Uh, I don't see that happening because everyone is proud to work with each other at universal right now and that's where it needs to be and your point is well taken that the the vacation experience in orlando with a third park at universal will change completely yeah it will no longer be as you put it side trips where you know i'm going to spend 
four or five days at Disney and two and three days at Universal. It's going to be either or. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'll still have some of that because, you know, what, we, what we've seen happen over the last five years is we've had people that, you know, they would buy the one-day ticket with transfers and go to Universal for the day and then come back. And then the next year, they'd book a couple of days. Yep. Uh, that strategy, that's why Universal put that ticket out there. They wanted, you know, try before you buy, basically, and yep. it's worked. And that's one of the reasons they're seeing double-digit gains year over year. Um, now, with, you know, and again, we're way ahead of ourselves here, but with the third gate, with the new hotel getting ready to open this summer, and I'm sure another hotel on the way. Yep. Uh, you're, it's going to be it's going to be an either or. Yeah. This year we'll go to Universal. Next year we'll go to Disney, and that that could depending on what this theme park is. If this theme park has <clears throat> whatever they announce, if it has anything close to the kind of draw that Harry Potter has, if it has anything close to that draw, yeah. it is going to be disastrous for Disney. Well, you just mentioned that either or. Uh, we actually got a question on Facebook. Amber wrote saying, with all seven of Universal Orlando's major construction projects currently going on, uh, the Incredible Hulk Coaster, Kong, Fast and Furious, Jimmy Fallon, Sapphire Falls, Volcano Bay, and Tusum Chocolate Factory, do you have concerns that any of the pieces will suffer from too much growth too quickly? Well, you know, Depending on depending on the the corporate parent and depending on the management, uh, I would say, of course, you have to consider that. You have to worry about that. However, in my opinion, having watched this resort develop over the course of the twenty years that I've I've been here, I've been doing this. Um, Universal has never been better run than it is right now. Um, I, I remember saying before Comcast came in i remember saying these guys couldn't find their underwear in the morning um it was it was unbelievable well, they didn't have ever have a chance to get any any uh they never had a chance to get any momentum going because they were you know they were changing baby daddies like diapers yeah and so you know and the companies that were buying them we're not buying them with any real interest in developing them. They were just another piece in the portfolio. Yeah. That was it. Comcast has taken a real interest. It almost seems like the people at the very, very top of Comcast look huge Universal theme park fans. Um, the way they're investing, <clears throat> the kind of support that they're giving them. So under, if, if we were talking about Vivendi, if we were talking about Seagram's, if we were talking about any of the other corporate parents that Universal has had over the years – I would say, yes, we have to be very concerned about too much growth too fast. But the current management, in my opinion, has shown a real uh, has, has shown real, real talent and ability yeah. to manage because they've been growing it like a weed for the last five years, and it just keeps getting better. Yeah. So I would say I would say there may be some growing pains, but nothing they won't adapt to very, very quickly because that seems to be what they've done. Yeah, they. I mean, well, they can't even think about opening up a third gate if they're already having these growing pains with the attractions and hotels and experiences they have planned at there. How could they ever, ever, ever add in that extra park? Uh, but we know it's happening. It's- but here's, here's the point, though. Think about when these projects are going to be finished. You, you make a great point about these seven projects going on right now. They're all wrapping up 
right around the same time. They'll be wrapping up within maybe a year or so of each other, two years yeah. of each other. There's all that money. There's all that help that can all be moved over to one big dirt mound on the other side of iDrive. Yep. And because that's what we keep hearing Disney is going to do as Avatar finishes, those people are going to be moved over to Star Wars land. Um, and that's where they're going to be focusing their construction. I think that's what you're going to see here. So I think Universal is getting all their ducks in a row. They're getting their, their, their zoning down, getting their ideas down, you know, letting Imagineering, their version of Imagineering, Universal Creative, do their thing. Um, waiting for these other projects to start wrapping up, and then we're going to see once some of these, I think once you see like Sapphire Falls open, once you see um, Kong opened, once you see, you know, when is Jimmy Fallon scheduled? To uh, 2017. Haven't said you what. So, and then what about the chocolate place? The chocolate place got to be in the next couple months. I mean, they're going quickly. So within the next year, you're yeah. going to have most of these projects are going to be done. Yep. Yep. Because uh, Sapphire Falls is almost finished. Sapphire I mean, Falls opens uh, July. July 15th. And uh, Volcano Bay is sometime in uh, sometime in 2017. I wanted to say they, they said winter, but, um, you know. Well, they're going to try and back it up to the to the closing of. Uh, well, the closing of Wet and Wild happens in 2016. Right. But isn't it at the end of the year? Isn't it like December? Did I hear that right? I can't even remember. I've got all my. I want to say I want. That's what I thought I heard. That it was December 2016 is when they were closing Wet and Wild. I could uh, be wrong. Yeah, on that. December 2016, Wet and Wilds closed. And so you're then, talking winter 2017. That really kind of limits when you can open it. Yeah, because, and then Volcano Bay will open up in the spring of 2017. 27. So, okay, spring. Okay. So, but I bet they'll try that to could get be it in March. winter. Yeah. You know, spring could be March. Exactly. So. Uh, so yeah, got all those projects wrapping up all around the same time. And I'm going to tell you, that's where the money and the manpower is going to go. And don't tell me that if you took the crews that could build all of that and focus them on one thing for five years. Because I'm telling you right now, Star Wars Land ain't open and before 2022. Yeah. Um, and I think Universal, the way they've been going with the money they've been spending, absolutely could do this. Hmm. Perfect. What... Whenever this third part does come, I'll throw this out to you and Oliver. Get your opinions. Obviously, Nintendo is going to have some type of presence in a third park. We all know it. Uh, all three of us being huge video game fans, all very much looking forward to whatever does happen with Nintendo. But beyond Nintendo-related, what would you like to see in a third park? What would really pique your interests? Hmm. Not Potter-related and not Nintendo-related. Something completely different. I it'd be nice to see them utilize the DreamWorks stuff they've just bought and make some more um friendlier attractions for the whole family. Mm-hmm. So cuz right now they've got I love Universal, but I love Universal because I can do everything in Universal, you know. Disney's very inclusive, that's why families love Disney. Yeah. Universal there's attractions that appeal to some and attractions that appeal to others. So it'd be nice if they can utilize what they've just bought and make some attractions that are Kind of like Kong. I know we've just pretty much said how it's not necessarily going to appeal to everyone, but that shorter height requirement will, does mean that more families can get involved in that and go on that attraction together and experience that together. So that's what I'd like to see. I want to see stuff that's not children's attractions, but attractions that everyone can genuinely go on and enjoy together. That's what I'd ideally like to see. Hmm. 
Lost for words. This is a first. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm not at lost for words. I'm just parsing my ideas. Um, you know, I would like to see them do something with maybe some some lesser film properties, like a whole section, like um, uh, uh, the remains of the day. Yeah. Um, or my dinner with Andre. Um, <laughs> uh, just Chris, if you're a Christopher Guest fan, you completely just got that. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think Oliver. I, I I I'll tack on on what Oliver said that you know, seeing them really kind of develop creatively develop uh, some of these DreamWorks properties they just acquired and doing it doing so though in a way that. It's not, you know, revisiting, you know, uh, the Minions ride yeah. or, or Shrek or, or Mummy or anything like that. You know, one of the things Universal does really, really well is develop new technology for yeah. rides. Uh, they, you know, they've had some failures with that. They've had some amazing successes. Um, taking some of those properties and doing that. But, you know, I don't, I don't know why I have this feeling. And I, I know it's crazy. I know it's completely crazy. But... Why do I keep feeling like we're going to end up with a Nintendo theme park? It very well could be. Because here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. Nintendo right now, um, Nintendo's fallen from grace. The Wii U was an absolute disaster for them. Yep. Um, and they are got very, 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 very slow on the bandwagon to licensing their games for mobile devices um, that isn't their own, like the 3DS or the 2DS. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, I remember back in the days when Sega was a player um, and the, the head of Sega America said, you never, ever, ever, ever underestimate anybody with that much money in the bank. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo has a lot of money in the bank. And we talk about, you know, how could they how could they really get the money and the resources to build a park faster than Disney's going to build Star Wars Land. You take on a partner like Nintendo. You strike a creative deal. They're good at that. They got J.K. Rowling. Um, you strike a creative deal, and that's how you find the money. That's how you find, you know, you've got a, another corporate interest that desperately needs something to make it relevant again. Um, they've got a new system coming out in the next couple of years, I believe. Um, they need this to work. Um, so I could imagine that. I could imagine the entire park being Nintendo. Also, from a business standpoint, think about their demographic. Their yeah. demographic is predominantly male and predominantly in their 20s and 30s. And those people were playing Super Nintendo when they were eight. So you're going to have that emotional resonance that I see come on your face and the faces of a lot of other people when they talk about Super Mario, when they talk about Super Smash Brothers, when they talk about you know Legend of Zelda. I mean, iconic, powerful brands under Nintendo that Nintendo owns outright that that intellectual property could be matched with Universal's abilities, experience, and Universal Creative. Yeah. Um, I don't care whether you're a video game fan or not. That's got to excite you. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I am a huge video game fan. and But I'm a Sega guy, you know? I like Nintendo. I'm a, this was a Sega park? 
I'd be camped out over there now. Um, and I'm not going to get into the Sega, Sega versus Nintendo thing because it's not 1995 anymore. But I don't know. I, from a business standpoint, to me, I think about that. I look at the demographic. I look at the issues they're going to face in terms of building the park, where the, where the money's going to come from to do it in a way that actually competes with Disney and maybe take some of the wind out of their sails, which has to be part of the strategy to make it successful for them. Um, some kind of grand corporate uh, partnership, and they're in bed with Nintendo. Why not just run with that? They're already in bed with Nintendo. Yeah. I think we are going to see Nintendo in this new park, but I don't think it's going to be to the scale that you're saying. I think it's going to be more to the scale that Harry Potter is currently in Islands and um, Universal. And I think that's purely because... I don't know. Just, I, I, think if, I, think if you, I think if Nintendo sits down and makes an offer that's, that has a B in front of it, they'll get the, they'll get the park. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a tough call. What I would love to see, which I know is never going to happen, uh, but the the dream is there uh, still. Maybe maybe it'll come into play in Islands or Universal Studios. Uh, Hello Kitty. They open something. Yes, Hello Kitty. No, I, he wants a Hello Kitty roller coaster in the worst you, way. Universal is doing such a great job at conforming these movie properties, television, and soon-to-be video game properties into the theme parks. Now, I want to see them go backwards and try to do something that Disney has lost sight of in the years since I've been going, and that is try to come up with something original and creative. So, you know, the, obviously when Disney parks first opened, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, those classic attractions that we still love to this date that were based on nothing. And now they've become something so hmm. much bigger. Universal has a bunch of brilliant people working in Universal Creative right now. Create original that, stories, original concepts, yes. original uh, technology. Okay. Especially with Jason Sorrell being at Universal Creative, uh, all the knowledge and passion that he has from his time working at Disney. I mean, he started at Universal, then went to Disney, is back there now, uh, and he is – he is huge on the storytelling aspect of it. That's why he loves writing these books that he put out while he was with Disney about these attractions. So I think someone like him could spearhead this whole <laughs> let's go back to what the original roots of some of these theme parks were, like Disneyland, where, yeah, you had the rides to show off Walt's stories and upcoming movies that he was going to put out, but original concepts as well, too, like Pirates, Haunted Mansion, Tomorrowland, Frontierland, just putting you in these environments. And maybe Universal gets lucky. They come up with a story that eventually can become a classic and can become a Universal property as a television or a movie, uh, television show or a movie later on in the future. But... That's a bold one. That's not something they could just build a new park on. They need that draw to get people in the door. If they go completely original with that, uh, I, I don't think they would be successful in opening a third park. I just they need they need that hook. I think the innovation the innovation in a third gate is going to come later. Yeah, I think again, just the buzz I'm hearing, the just the tea leaves I'm reading, they are moving at a breakneck pace. They're moving at a breakneck pace behind the scenes. If, if I'm right, if I'm right, they're going to have to open fast. That's not going to allow for a tremendous amount of innovation. So their lead idea, the theme of the park, the areas in the park, uh, borrowing off of existing technology that they can repurpose and retool, 
um, you know, think Indiana Jones and Dinosaur. Yep. Um, that's probably what they're going to have to do because I really do think, I really do think that uh, Universal Universal has won this 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 gain in market share. It's been hard fought. They're not interested in giving it up. If they don't have something to counter Star Wars, yep, they're going to give it up. Star Wars will take market. You know, and look, it's entirely possible that no matter what Universal opens at uh, in a third gate, that they're going to lose market share to Star Wars. Yep. It's absolutely possible. You know, you got that, and then you you know you have the next round of Avatar movies coming out. If they're as popular and as successful as the first one, now you got now you got a game going. Yeah, I um, and honestly, that's with all of that. Unless Star Wars truly falls from grace and. Uh, Force Awakens was a nice rejuvenation of the series, but if all the rest of the movies go back to those uh, the the prequel style, and if the movies start being produced like that, and people start disliking the Star Wars movies that are coming out, that could put a little bit of a wrench in the, the system. One, weren't you the one telling me that they had to go back? They have to go back and do all these reshoots on Rogue One because. That's- that was Rhino telling you that. I and that is true. They are doing reshoots. Disney doesn't like the tone of the film, whereas you know, Lucasfilm is happy with the film, but Disney's yeah, not. Lucasfilm is also happy with the Phantom Menace. Yeah, well, and but but they're they're happy. Disney feels that Rogue One is a little too dark. Uh, doesn't really fit in with the mindset that they want to keep going with it uh, with Star Wars. Oh, so no. If executives are making films, it's not going to be good. And that's if Disney has too much of a hand in Star Wars and starts dragging it down because it doesn't appeal to their ideals, then yes, the land might still be popular. But if the movies start to lose popularity, if Avatar, if the new movies that come out absolutely blow, yes, it's going to have an impact. Whereas from all the previews that are coming out with the uh, the new films in the Potter universe, I mean, they're just – everything's clicking. Uh, and whenever they do have a new Potter expansion, it's just going to – it's going to keep Universal going strong. I don't – it all comes down to the quality of the properties it's based on, in my opinion, but – uh, I'm going to wrap this one up with one question taking us out of the theme parks and going more into City Walk. And that uh, Chris asked, how would you compare a night out at City Walk to the current Disney Springs makeup? Specifically with, uh, he, he mentions, he or she mentions, I didn't look at your picture, but they say, I love emeralds. The, uh, the I've been brill. creeped out on your profile. <laughs> the Brill and Gru and, uh, and places like Jake's. But uh, Chris also loves Jock Lindsay, Splitsville, The Boathouse. And uh, Chris would like to hear how we would spend an evening out away from the parks at CityWalk uh, compared to Disney Springs. And I think this is kind of a tough one because... Disney Springs has really upped their game with the amount of things. And I to haven't do. been down there yet, so I really can't speak to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I know you've eaten at Boathouse, which is excellent, Fantastic. stuff like that. Uh, they have Jock Lindsay's. I know neither of us are fans. Of well, Jock. I mean, I don't know about. You know, I don't drink, so I don't know about the cocktails. I heard good things about the cocktails. The food was horrendous yeah. at Jock Lindsay's. Horrible. Yeah, I, uh, Disney Springs is doing a good job of balancing 
what I feel is entertainment with dining and now also shopping. Whereas Universal, I feel like they've started to take City Walk and they really started the ball rolling on this where they realized that their clubs were suffering at City Walk. Um, obviously, it's a ghost town half yeah, the time. It, it was awful. They didn't need Latin Quarter. They. You know, keeping like Pat O'Brien's restaurant during the uh, night hours and then it turns into the bar with dueling pianos at night. That still works successfully. Everyone always loves going to Rising Star. It's fun watching people who suck at singing get up there and just fail miserably. But still, they they have two issues, and that's A, the groove, um, which is their dance club that uh, often plays 80 hits, 90s hits, and uh, it's usually just creepy men in the corner watching no one dance at all or the few people in there dancing and then they have so it's atlantic dance hall basically yeah, yeah. the atlantic dance hall <laughs> the groove is the atlantic dance hall of city walk and then they also have red coconut club which half the time isn't even open because it's always being used for corporate events and when it is it is way stuffy and i, I know you well, have yeah they what cracks me up is that the number of times i've walked past the red coconut and you got the guy out front in the suit, and you got the red velvet rope, and there's nobody inside. And it's like, what are you? What are you doing? You look, you look like an idiot <laughs> with the with the rope up. Get rid of the rope. Get rid of the guy with the suit. Pray somebody comes in and buys one of your crappy overpriced yeah. drinks. And they do have the miniature golf. They have the movie theater, um, which. You know, the miniature golf, I've always said, I'm sorry, it's a that bit movie, overpriced. And that movie theater attracts a crowd that just does not appeal to me. It's a very rowdy crowd. Yeah, I, um, I enjoy going to that movie theater during the middle of the day. Uh, there's no one ever in there at the middle of the day because they're at the theme parks. Do not but go there night, on a weekend night. Yeah, it's, it's a bit more hectic. If you like people on cell phones and people bringing mm-hmm. their babies into R-rated movies and... Every awful thing you've ever heard goes on in a movie theater. Go to that AMC theater. Yeah. Uh, And so with all that, I'm trying to loop around to say, I don't know if we can really compare City Walk and Disney Springs. Disney Springs, I think they, while I do love some of the dining options at City Walk, most of them, uh, Disney Springs really has all of a sudden springboarded over in terms of they're now offering way more dining options. Uh, from a range of good quick service all the way through very pricey, very fancy, nice, delicious meals. They have so much more shopping now. Even though it looks like an outlet, it's still a ton of shopping. And then they also have plenty of entertainment, too, that I think is some of their entertainment's more value. Uh, you get more value out of it than you do at uh, like going and paying $15 for a round of miniature golf at City Walk. It's not worth $15. So I think right now Universal needs to uh, come up with a new plan for how they really push City Walk forward a little more. It's They're doing great on the restaurant aspect. They've, they've definitely upped their game on that. Uh, all, all of the new offerings they had have been good or great, but... Now they need to figure out the entertainment aspect of it again. Oh, and maybe just eliminate the shopping completely because I don't like it there. But Like I said, I really haven't spent enough time at Disney Springs now that it's done yeah. to make the comparison. I, I will tell you this. From my sensibilities, I'd much rather be at Disney Springs than at City One. Yeah. Any last-minute thoughts, Oliver? Um, I, 
Nope, you're okay. over. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. When the question was initially um, asked, I don't know, my, like my head said um, City Walk, just because maybe it's because I'm younger, it appeals to me a bit more, it's a mm-hmm. bit more like a club mm-hmm. environment. But there honestly, he goes, making another, another crack about my age. Hey, I, I never said, oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, um, but when I really think about it, like it's, it is Disney Springs. I'd much prefer to be at Disney Springs just because the. I don't know. I feel you get more bang for your buck almost. If you're going to spend time there, you're going to see good entertainment. You're going to get really good and a, a, a good spectrum of shopping um, experiences. You know, they've got the the merchandise stuff, the original Disney merchandise, and they've got the other retail shop outlets as well. Um, yeah, as well as offering the entertainment and food. And yeah, I don't know. I just I I prefer Disney Springs now yeah. to City Wall. Well, thank you, and uh, thank both of you for uh, the fun conversation that we just had for the past hour. always fun to be here. Yes, it's very enjoyable. I always love having you here. It's nice to have a different opinion and uh, not, not the squawking of Rhino. Remember, hashtag Rhino's Moist at Rhino1185 on Twitter. Or just moist. Hashtag or just moist. moist. <laughs> just moist. Uh, so thank you again, guys. It's been great. And thank you to everyone out there who took the time to watch and listen to this. Remember, head over to disunplugged.com. Uh, that's where you'll find our show notes, as I said before, the Blue Universal Box. Or you can find our other shows like the Disney World Edition, the Disneyland Edition, uh, Dispop, uh, Rhino and I are putting out you'll see it tonight on the Dispop itunes feed a review of universal's uh latest movie that just came out last week uh pop star never stop never stopping that's going up there so uh, we mix those worlds together and uh yeah that's where all of our show notes are that's where you'll find links to everything that we've talked about that we said we would put there uh that's where you'll also find a link to be a contributor on the universal site so if you have any uh universal information that you would like to get out there to the world uh you have a chance at uh at writing some yes uh, stuff we need for universal us. So, contributors please yeah fifty dollars every time we publish one of your articles yeah so it's Definitely worth uh, giving a shot. Sign up to be a contributor. Let us know what you have. Um, And, of course, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube. Follow all of our Facebooks, all of our social media, where you'll find that at disunplugged.com. And, again, one last time, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Dis Unplugged Universal Edition. Until then, remember, moist is universal. (laughs) 